Hello, Blindspot fans, and welcome back to the AfterBuzz TV Blindspot After Show. We are covering Season 2, Episode 2, Heave, Fire, Not, and we will see you after the opening. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! I regret absolutely nothing. The Oregon Trail just makes me super, super happy, and I didn't realize that it had theme music. I mean, it's, yes, it's me so beautiful. This. You're going to kill me It's for a this. beautiful song, a beautiful little album and record that reminds me of all the reasons why I love how music is changing every day. <laughs> I just, this was my absolute favorite scene in the episode. It was super adorable, and I have zero regrets. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Blind Spot After Show. We are super happy to be here. We are looking at episode two, He Fire Not, and with me is the wonderful Gabriel Glen. Bleh, I'm sorry, Gabriel Gonzalez. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, yes, I you did. Completely on accident. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, guys, at Double G on TV. You know, follow me. We can talk all about season two. And I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. We have our hashtag, ABTV Blindspot. We have the live chat, which can you zoom in on that just a little bit? My vision's not quite that good. But the the live chat is up. The hashtag is up. If you have anything fun to say about this episode, throw in the live chat, throw in the hashtag. You may well get a shout out. I loved this episode. This was great. It was, you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, at last week we really set it up with the premiere, and now going into episode two, we went right back into a case. We got enough backstory, you know, with the big picture of what's going on. We teased all of our mysteries. Just, I like how the pace is going so far. Two episodes in, but they're keeping everything right amount of action, mystery, perfect. Oh, yeah, they really kept the momentum going, and I'm super proud of them for that. Because occasionally you'll get these episodes where it's like, okay, we really didn't have any overarching story. And the procedural was like, all right, the procedural's great. This, mm -hmm. the procedural side was fantastic, especially with how they interwove the uh, overarching story with it. The overarching was a ton of fun. Just, I loved how they put this episode together. I thought this was so much fun. It was a big Plus, all the characters really felt involved in every aspect, yes. which I think sometimes other episodes, one or two of the our team members just kind of seems to be there just because they have to be, not where it's they're really job. providing much. But yeah, this one, they all were, it was just a lot of pieces moving and it was easy to follow, which yes. I was worried that, hey, it could get convoluted with this kind of team, but it didn't at all. I've, I've definitely had episodes where it's like, okay, I need to stop and I need to rewind the last 45 seconds of dialogue because that was really intense and I cannot take notes fast enough for that. Fortunately, this was not one of those episodes. Right. I uh, want to talk about some of the more personal stories before we hit the procedural and before we hit the overarching. I want to talk about Reed. Okay. Because yeah. poor Reed got, right. I would say the biggest curveball this episode. And that includes what happened with Kurt and that includes pretty much everyone else, I'd say he has the biggest one. Because we're bringing back the episode from last season about Coach Jones and yes. the sexual abuse and, you yes, know, that and, barrel of laughs. Yeah, and Reed did promise, you know, that threat to Jones that like, hey, you know what, I will come after you personally and I will make sure you get put away, especially after, you know, the program that he respected and people he was associated with Jones, you know, essentially betrayed that trust that he'd oh, had yeah. for years. So he goes to find someone named Freddie, who was evidently in the football camp with him and was one of Jones's victims and is trying to 
convince him to testify, convince him to get on the stand, because with older cases like this, reliable witnesses are the best way and the only way for this to work. Unfortunately, the DEA essentially tells him, look, we don't have any reliable witnesses. Not enough people are coming forward, and Freddie's not reliable. He was unemployed and alcoholic two months ago, and you know what happens two months from now when I need him, and he does that again. No, it's true. The DA, not the DEA. That DA. They did the play. DEA is something else completely. There, you know, hey, there are a lot of abbreviations when it comes to law enforcement. It's it's no picnic learning them all and keeping yeah. them. But no, definitely, I thought that was... I think they introduced that very well because it's so important to note that before they were FBI, for Weller, for Zapata, all of them, they were people before this and seeing how well, that they affects still are people, yeah. I mean. Well, I mean like the the person they were before affects how they do their job now and I think that introducing Freddie and obviously what we get into later with Reed, it does a great job of just really fleshing out the character and now all the stakes with Reed, they feel that much more um, palpable. And I think that's what I get the most when you learn that kind of stuff about Freddie and Reed and how it developed over the years. Yeah, and when Reed goes to tell Freddie, look, I'm sorry, it's not going to work, he already, the DEA, the DEA, wow, mm-hmm. I am good at life tonight, you guys, ladies and gentlemen. You are. You think that song life. and everything. Life is wonderful. Um, <laughs> the DA has already told Freddie that there's no case. And Freddie is asking Reed, why don't you testify? Why don't you do this? Mm. From what Freddie is saying, it sounds like Reed was also one of the victims and repressed it completely, which yeah. is why he's functional. That Now, see, that's a that's very horrifying. important question because I guess the thing that would come up is how is Reed able to, you know, talk about the case and also somehow completely forget that, hey, you were there at the camp too. Like, how does he know he was at the camp but not... You know, such an important part, but definitely, and we started to see toward the end of the episode that the, this effect it's going to have on Reed might really start to tear apart his composure, and with yeah. the kind of job he has, you don't know what really could happen. Well, and um, the human mind is capable of a lot when it comes oh, to self-defense, and in terms of that much trauma, repression is definitely something that the mind has the potential to do. Just be like, nope, it absolutely never happened. You have a gap. We are, we're not dealing with that. No, and you got to... So it makes sense. It does. Also imagine that, you know, being FBI, just the crime scenes and other things they go through, all the compartmentalization that they go Mm -hmm. through. And you have to think all the guys, uh, you know, not just Reed, but obviously Weller, Zapata, Jane you know, what they go through. I think the line that stood out to me when Valentine is talking about, you know, Rob later in the procedural, that he was like a father to me. And you see that visible flinch in Reed, how he's affected by it. And I thought, you know, it's going to really come into play. We're just seeing the surface of it in this episode. What just about killed me, and I wrote it down, that's the great thing about messing with kids. Your victims cover your tracks for you. Right. Like, that is such an ugly line, but, oh, he is not wrong. No, it was definitely a big part of it, and I think also it just lends to the reality of the world that Reed and Freddie used to live in before Reed went off to be an FBI agent. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects Reed from here on in. And we've already seen two sessions with Dr. Borden this episode, and I am sure we will be getting so, so many more, which I'm down for it. I love Dr. Borden. He's <laughs> you know, awesome. 
And I adore him. I have to say, I like how they're really pushing it. He is still one of my suspects to probably be the guy who flips. I know we're not going to get into it in detail, but if it is, it's so much fun to think of what he could use. Let's be real. He is at the top of the suspect list because he has everyone's confidence. Yes. Because of his role, because of his knowledge. That's... Definitely. Yeah. And they're, they're growing him very organically after last season. Last season, he was there, but he, he felt a out. little in on the periphery. This time, he really is front and center, and they're trusting him. The role he plays in their psyche, it's really being expanded on, and I think that's so important. Yeah, well, he, he was in and out last season. He was much more in the second half than in the first yes. half. That's when they really started developing him. So I like that we're starting right in on episode two and bringing in these sessions with him, and I would like to see them continue to do this. I also adore him asking Patterson out. Oh my god. I ship it. I'm down. I love it. I want it. And he asks her out by handing her a five and a half inch floppy of the Oregon Trail. The original OG version that, one, you can't find anymore because, two, there is nothing that will play it. You know what I find funny is I feel like Patterson is really into that kind of stuff. Like she I, I, for being is. so, for all her, you know, tech savvy, I bet you that she's just the kind of person who just goes home and likes to do things the low tech way with the record and that really authentic, real sound that just comes with the needle on the, you know, the disc. So it's very interesting. And it was very cute. I feel like as a tech person, you love the new stuff and you appreciate the really, really yes. vintage, the Ataris, the Jaguars, the whatevers. And so he gave her a five and a half inch copy of this. She's probably going to frame that sucker. Right. If you don't play and that, it, you just put it up. And that's not something you stumble across. She's going to frame it right next to her abacus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. Hey, you know she owns one of those. She's, oh, come on. She's the... nerdy like that. Let's... Right next to the... Hey, it's on top of the box of Dungeons & Dragons Monopoly. <laughs> no, dude, just straight up D&D. Okay, has that's a, true. She yeah, has she's a got gnome cleric. Board. She oh, has yeah. a gnome cleric, I mean. That's true. You know. And with... for those of you who were yelling at me about it last season, yes, I got into Critical Role. I'm doing the thing. I'm a critter, so now I get those references. <gasps> Yeah, no, definitely just straight up D&D. But yeah, I adored this. This was super cute. And poor Borden, for all of his I know how to talk to people, is just so awkward. Right? Well, you know, you can't bat a thousand, you know. It's just one of those things. And you got to think maybe he was really nervous talking to a cute Patterson. You know, everyone thinks she's just the best. So, you know, you have to. Well, that's because she is. She is. So you have to bring your A game if you're going to approach a girl like that. Otherwise, just respect from afar. You guys know what I'm saying. Well, and he also knows it hasn't been, it's been less than a year since her boyfriend was killed. And that's rough territory. And that's, you know, something that he knows about. And that I, I don't remember specifically. I think she might have talked about it in sessions with him. I don't remember. I might be making that up. Uh, Chat, let me know if I'm making that up. I could be. But that's something he definitely knows about. And so it's... This is an incredible woman, and I want to ask her out on top of, am I moving too fast? Is she not ready for that yet? Knowing that that particular baggage, that particular trauma exists. Right. And also keep in mind that he, she has seen him kill somebody, you know, when they had the hostage situation with the little girl in, the, mm-hmm. in his cabin. He had to kill one of the... T- um, 
one of the attackers with the nail gun, that's not exactly something that she had to deal with with her last boyfriend, so that dynamic of knowing what someone else is capable of, I mean, she obviously, it's different for her relationship with Weller, with everyone else, but for your significant other, is that something that, you know, sleep with and sit well with? Maybe that's something she has to grapple with. I don't necessarily think so. I think, I mean, bleh, words. I think she is very aware of what people are capable of while under duress. And I mean, she has the FBI training with handguns and whatnot. It's not like she is unaccustomed to that. Mm, That's very true. So, yeah, I I doubt that that would be something standing in the way of things. Um, Remembering previous boyfriend and Borden being awkward. And hey, someone might be a mole. (laughs) Could be relationship issues. Like, that could be a problem. So we have that. I absolutely adore that. We should we should talk about Kurt. We should. Feel so bad for him. I mean, you lose, you know, one love, then the new love with all these hot, sexy tattoos ends up killing your <laughs> boss. And, oh, yeah, you know, you found out your best friend as a kid really did die. And it's life is going great for Agent Kurt Weller. Well, and he had forgiven his dad for all of that, and it took him so long to forgive him, and that was because Jane was Taylor. And then it turns out that that's not the case at all, and on his deathbed, his dad confessed, and Kurt goes back to hating his dad, who's no longer there. So we have this last little box of his possessions, and he is just not letting go of it and not letting go of his anger at his dad. It's driving him to distraction. Definitely, as your favorite doctor and therapist, Dr. Borden, said, you know, he cannot confront his father over these things, so he has to confront his emotions, otherwise mm-hmm. he will be carrying them. And yep. I'm assuming things are just getting much heavier for Kurt and his heart, so I think that it will come to the breaking point sooner rather than later as far as what Kurt has to do to sleep well. And that conversation with Jane was it's somewhere in my notes. I can't find it. It was incredible. And just Jane talking about how she misses being Taylor and how Kurt hasn't told anyone outside of the team and his sister yes. about finding Taylor and burying her and about what dad actually did do. Yes. Well, I want to you know, put a pin on a certain point that also the secret that Nas actually knows everything you know, she just hasn't revealed Good that secret, Lord. right? But I think it's very important to note when you think about the Taylor-Kurt relationship was that, you know, kids, For I honestly think Kurt probably thought that Taylor was his first love and, you know, as young as they were and just that's how we, it works in TV and literary world with characters. But no, just how deeply that is still affecting him. And now there are two people he has to feel differently about, whereas before it was just one in Jane. And it's, I don't know if it's a romantic love thing, but it was someone he very, very deeply cared about that he lost at a Mm. very young age and it was unresolved. And then he managed to resolve it. And that resolution was all a lie. Well, you know, put it this way, what's worse than losing someone once? Losing them twice. Yeah. Let's just double down on that trauma, shall Mm. we? Sounds like a good time. Yikes. So he does get rid of dad's little possessions, and he does have that conversation with Jane. And I just, I feel so bad for Jane. Because her being Taylor, even if she couldn't remember any of Taylor's memories, gave her a sense of identity, gave her a sense of belonging. There was some, she was this person. She had a past. She had someone she cared about. 
it's an anchor when you don't remember literally anything. No, it's true. Now, also, I think she's grappling with how does she feel about, in a way, being Remy. And obviously, her, the new people, these new players in her life, really want her to embrace that side. Mm-hmm. And the pull is only going to get stronger as especially Jane doesn't feel like being, you know, the former Taylor or even Jane Doe is someone she wants to be or feels she can be. And we saw her address that with Nas, just like, you know, they've only, you know, helped us take down bad guys, whereas FBI and things like Orion have done other stuff. And how she grapples with that is obviously going to be a big storyline going forward. And we're seeing right now exactly the basics, what's going to pull her to the left versus to the right. And she, again, she has very little basis of knowledge. She has no memories Everyone that she has thrown her alliance in with has betrayed her in some capacity. She's getting a very bad view of a lot of things. And so I can't blame her for trying to figure out what side she's on. It's like, oh, we're good and they're the killers, but we're good and they're the killers. Well, everyone's kind of terrible. Well, even... So how do you throw in with someone when you know you don't have all the information and that people around you are actively keeping it from you? How do you trust anyone? Well, remember to take into account at the end of the last season, she said very simply, the nice thing about being Jane Doe, being part of the Jane Doe project is like, hey, I come into work in the morning and we save the world and I get to go home and that's who I am. That's my life. Without that now or now even that place that she used to have that safety in, how it changes, Mm -hmm. she's really grappling with that. And I think that how is she Roman, I feel, is going to be a bigger part of it than Shepard as far as, you know, if she betrays the team again, or how is she going to find a way to confront him? I think that's what we're really building towards right now on the surface. Well, and Roman is way too emotionally invested in this to keep his head about him. I think Jane disappearing off the map for three months and winding up in a CIA black cell, is, and not that they know that, yeah. is, probably just drove him crazy. Because that's his sister, and we erased her memories, and I lost her, and then we brought her back, and then I lost her again, and I don't, like, I can definitely imagine him going up the wall and it compromising his judgment. Like, this is not at all a surprise to me. And I'm interested to see how that develops, because we get that nice little stinger at the end of her going back to the memorial, and him just like, oh, syringe. Like, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. It is syringe o'clock. Right. I I also have to point something out. When you see just how strongly Roman feels about being protective of Jane, he has to be around her. We obviously didn't get introduced to him really in season one, the adult Roman anyway. But now, knowing this about him, could it be possible that he is connected to the mole already? He he doesn't say who it is, which obviously would spoil all the fun. But I feel like he is too... Sorry, impulsive of a character to not somehow have not had... He needed to have a way. Excuse me, everyone. He needed to have a way to be informed, be in the loop, and keep an eye on Taylor. And I think that... Or, sorry, Jane. And that's why I think we might be setting up for Roman might be the one who kind of gets the dominoes rolling when things hit the fan with our secret character. I will honestly, I'm a, I would be surprised if Roman knew who the mole was. You think so? In an organization like that, you do not give everyone every piece of information, with the exception of the person at the top. True. So I would imagine that Shepard knows 
everything. And that's why she stays so hidden Hmm. because she cannot afford to be taken down. But that most people only have the information that is relevant to their position, that is relevant to what they need to do. So I would imagine that Roman knows that there is a mole in the FBI, but he he doesn't know who. Hmm. Because that way, if he says, there's a mole, it throws in suspicion, but there's a mole, but I don't know who it is, so you can't get that out of me. Then suddenly you're suspicious of everyone, the team that's already having problems sticking together, and I... The scripting on that argument was incredible. Yes. That was so well done. It developed so organically. I, I loved it in that kind of, oh, this is a great scene, but I'm very sad sort of way. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, I... I, I guess in, in my mind, when I look at it, the only way I see Roman being comfortable enough to have not made an appearance is if somehow he was still able to pull a few of the strings in season one that we just didn't have any idea were actually him. And, and I think that could possible. be a big surprise that, you know, I mean, that would shock me, definitely. I think a lot of our viewers might also be like, wow, he wasn't part of that, too. I mean, we as the audience have about as many answers as Jane does. Yes. And that's not very many. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he knows more than he's letting on. I would not be surprised if he knows less than we think he does. Hmm. I would imagine that the only people who know the mole's identities, I'm, I'm going to pause it, I'm going to throw this down now, and I'm sticking behind this until okay. proven otherwise. Stop the only the people who know the mole's identities are Shepard and the moles themselves. Hmm. And no mole knows any other mole's identity. So our person in the FBI knows, I am actually working with Sandstorm, but was there someone that worked in the CIA that was working for Sandstorm? Meh. Who knows? I mean, you, gotta, you can't confess something you don't know. Exactly. Again, that's why I would imagine that dissemination of information within Sandstorm is very controlled. Need to know basis? You don't need to know. You don't get to. Secret agent shows, guys. So I much know, fun. right? I need a flow chart <laughs> or a spreadsheet or something. I just need a whiteboard that I can bring in with me and be like, well, this uh, is here and this is here. And, you know, put in thumbtacks and tie red strings to Now, things. do you want the laser pointer or, like, the old school, like, chick? Oh, and no, here, I want the and stick. Here, and here. I want the stick. So I can be like, and this is this, and this is that, and here's the other thing. Like and push. you can clearly see that these are connected, and it all goes <laughs> to a big question mark in the middle. <laughs> it's like, first she was Jane Doe, now she's Taylor Shaw, then she was Remy, then she's back to Jane. <laughs> it's like the murder board in Scream. Right. I need one of That's those. That's funny. Just like, haul it all in. Yep, this is it. This is how it works. I mean, you know, credit to all the writers on TV and in general keeping track of all these things to make it so much fun. As far as I'm concerned, they have huge, huge whiteboards. I feel like they go home and it's like a whole wall. It's just, you know, (laughs) they put a bunch together and it's like, okay, Jane Doe in the middle and then way over here and way, it's... It's like the chalkboards from Pacific Rim. They're like two stories (laughs) tall and they're covered in mathematical equations. That's fun. And that is how you write one of these shows. Yeah, all the puzzles are over here, and those are in blue, and all the character stuff is in green, and all of the... Yeah. No, I, I would uh, love to hear your guys' theories about what the writing techniques for the writers of this show are, and how they keep everything organized. Like, how do you guys think they do it? Give me your best crazy guesses. I want it. That's... I mean, that's a big one. We didn't even get to talk about them yet, but... We touched on him barely. Kurt, obviously, he has a lot of emotions, but also his ex comes back. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So Allie's back in the picture, shows up, like, out of, just 
absolutely out of nowhere, evidently yeah. three months later, and goes, BT dubs, I'm pregnant. I don't think we should get back together. I'm not very good at this telling people or dealing with it thing. But if you want to be in the kid's life, there is room for you there. I mean, that twist was, I mean, cuckoo bananas. That's <laughs> yeah, a good way to put it. Dude, just, uh, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I, think I don't think anyone, anyone was. expecting was. it. That came right the heck out of nowhere. I was almost even expecting her to be like, oh, where's your little tattooed brunette girlfriend, you know? But no, it was, I think it was more scary how calm she is and how she just kind of makes it seem very low key. And I, I think. I was honestly miss, I was honestly expecting, I miss you, let's get back together. Right. Not, by the way, I'm pregnant, let's not get back together. Okay. Well, I think it also just goes to show, well, what would Kurt maybe feel like he feels guilty, like he has to be, you know, not just the father but her husband you know for the baby but now just the reality of that situation that's also a unique role to be in and grapple with yeah so that i mean kurt weller freaking i feel like it's like okay episode one we're getting you back into the season we're getting you back into these people's lives episode two let's introduce everyone's baggage go I mean, let's see. Your former girlfriend is pregnant, and you repress the, the potential sexual abuse you had mm-hmm. as a child. And Jane can't trust literally anyone. And, and Sapata wants is... to kill her coworkers. Well, okay, not kill, but she's okay. You know, putting bullets in them—that's Zapata not healthy. Zapata is angry. Sky blue, water wet. I mean, <laughs> would you ever put a bullet in me to hide some? <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Just kidding. Hello, that came no, right the I'm hell not. out of nowhere. Have you heard yourself lately? No, <laughs> no but and I'm no, just gonna scoot over here. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Anyway, but um, no, seriously, this, seriously wow. how does this team wow. stick together? I mean, when they have all that drama, because Kurt is seems to be one of the people capable of putting things aside at least temporarily in order to make things work. He didn't have to do it quite as much when Mayfair was around, but. We no longer have a Mayfair, as uh, good God, as Reed pointed out. And I feel like that's the crossing the line part of the argument. It's true. Like, well, I saved his life. Well, if it weren't for you, you wouldn't be dead. Like, oh, God. Okay. We, not only did we go there, we live there. All right. Awkward. Oh, my God. Like, why did you do that? Huh. It's it's definitely, uh, and I think here's what's crazy. He is right now the glue that is holding that team together. And the glue is about to have its own meltdown. I don't think he's quite that close. I think he's one of those people that will deal with things until the point where they get overwhelming and then we will have problems. And we're not nearly at overwhelming levels yet. You know what's crazy? I think it's the opposite. I think he's just hiding it really well right now. Well, we will have to see how that plays out then. Because, I mean, we're in episode two. We've got like 21 more to go. Yes. We have have a long time. I mean, dude, we haven't even talked about the case yet. Can you believe that? We haven't even talked about the case. (laughs) I I hadn't heard the term gun waltzing. I'd heard of things like this happening before, but I hadn't heard the specific terminology. I thought it was just gun trafficking. Yeah, me too. Okay. I I guess that's why I'm not cut out for, you know, defending America. Well, you know, there's a lot of training that goes into that. So, but yeah, so gun waltzing, um, using undercover agents to sell guns back to car, to pose at, wow. 
Agents posing as arms dealers, selling arms back to drug cartels, and then tracking said guns to find out, to find the people to do big drug busts. So, you know, it works when the system works, and when the system doesn't work, you have definitely just sold cartels guns. Yep. Yikes. And things keep going missing, and it all traces back to one DEA agent, Valentine Barker. Yep. And the cartel was trying to kill her. Yes, and find out she wasn't the one really in charge. It was this guy, Rob Kingston. Her boss, her mentor, the person she looks up to. Like a father. Putting her name on things and essentially setting her up to take the fall in terms of paperwork and then setting her up to get assassinated in terms of real life. So the next thing set to be sold is a set of Stinger missiles, which evidently have an accurate range of four miles, which is really freaking long. You know, uh, okay, I am going to have to regress and say, like, you know, it just reminds me of, like, those old school video games where, you know, you could get the missile launcher and it would put you in that first person point of view and you drive (laughs) it. And I was like, wait, that's a real thing like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy. And by the way, the action scenes, which, you know, we haven't talked about yet, but another fun one. Sometimes it could feel a little repetitive, but you know what? It felt like everyone could have taken a bullet this episode. And I really like that because you feel like, you know, what if one of these guys not necessarily dies, but is taken out of the action, out of the field for a while. And I feel like those stakes are different from season one, and I liked it. Yeah, because I mean... the. I don't have a lot of nitpicks for this show, but I will continue to go back to the one for season one where Kurt takes shrapnel to the neck. He's in the hospital. He was in emergency surgery. Yeah, he sneaks out by the afternoon and he's fine next episode, which is maybe 48 hours later. Like, nope, 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 nope. He does not have a superhuman healing factor. He is not Deadpool. What is this? I really thought you were going to say Wolverine, but okay. <laughs> I mean, he First started thing that comes it. to mind. Okay. Freaking Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yes, but Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. The Plus, host let's has be gotten real. off topic. No, Plus, let's be real. Deadpool, the movie, is better than every other Wolverine movie we have. I'm not going to argue had. that at all. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's kind of a fish in the barrel argument yeah. there. Like, mm. It's like, uh, duh. Yeah. Okay, now that we've been completely derailed. Spot, yeah. If hey, they just, actually, just like Jane and her identity. If they actually stick with removing an agent from the field for medical reasons and have it last for more than one or two episodes, I will be gobsmacked. I absolutely will. Well, I think it would be very interesting for it to happen to Weller, actually, because then... Can the team put aside differences to save the day nope. by themselves? Exactly. <laughs> you know. But they need Weller there to keep things functioning in Mayfair's absence. And by they, I mean Sandstorm. Well, imagine if, um, you know, Weller took a Patterson role. And can you imagine, like, him trying to do all the technical stuff and Patterson be like, Kurt, you got to sit down. This is my thing. I just got just trying to monitor things from a hospital bed and everyone being like, no, no, no. And him being like, yes, answer your phones. I'm making the calls over here. That'd be a whole different show. I feel so bad for Patterson getting testy about the NSA thing. Like on one hand, yeah, you need to chill and work with people. On the other hand, you're supposed to be the tech person. You're supposed to have this information. And then someone walks up and is like, oh, no, you don't have it. 
But I do. You know, like, well, why am I here then? No, I love the way Patterson handled that because I feel like it was so authentic, and that's genuine, exactly how I would feel if I were Patterson. It's like yeah. you've just done that to me twice, and when it doesn't happen, it's like, what? You can't just use your magic phone. I yeah. love it. I love when she gives people attitude. It's my favorite part of the show. And this is after we had, again, back to season one episodes, the uh, one where she was under investigation and it was mm-hmm. the one with the missing plane. And Mayfair just kept sticking up for her and saying, we cannot lose her. She is the only one who can do this. Flip to this episode and it's she gets shown up twice by the NSA, yeah. which is rough because the NSA has tech and permissions and things that she does not so it's like, I am the tech person, this is my role, this is what I do, and this is what I do well. I've just been outshone twice. Yep. Girl. Seriously? Again? I love yeah, it. Yeah, I cannot blame her. All the little patterisms. Oh, that's got to be a new word. Hashtag it. <laughs> patterisms. Hashtag patterisms. Oh, boy. All, my, hey, all the live chat watching. Hashtag it. Let's get it out there, ladies and gentlemen. I love that the chat's just like, that would be chaos. I need to see it. Okay, I <laughs> like everything. the way you guys think. Yes, you guys are wonderful. Uh, Shadow for 2300, magic cell phone. <laughs> yep. And I wish my yeah. phone could get me that. I can't even trust Google Maps anymore. I gotta take ways. Really? Yeah, you know Maps what? Maps has never steered me wrong. They have traffic you know, built into it. No, okay. It do- it's not that it doesn't get me to my destination. It's the fact that, like... Waze will give me a route that's literally an hour shorter. Same, I do a commute from Santa Monica to here. Oh Ooh. my goodness. And it put me on Santa Monica Boulevard for an hour when I took Google Maps. And after that, I was like, oh, heck no. Regional humor. Yes, yeah, sorry. Hey, if you guys <laughs> LA, are on the East LA Coast, people and talk everywhere about traffic else, a lot because you know. it dictates much of our lives and we have no public transport. Yes, by the way, we I, have terrible public transport. By the way, all the people like East Coast, New York, get to take your subways everywhere. That seems like so nice. I Just don't have to pay for gas. Subway. Our systems detect that a host has wandered off the subject. I thought Please so. Return at once. Both. Our systems detect Both. <laughs> had to do it at least once. Just once. Uh, this is getting this is getting crazy. Now we're talking about traffic. It's already <laughs> crazy. It's been crazy. It's been crazy for the past hour. Where have you been? Uh, oh, no. Talk about traffic. <laughs> it's stuck in traffic. We're going to it's Ginger Chan live on. I'm actually on the 405 as I'm engineering. Actually, uh, let's not talk about that. The last thing I want to cover for this because I think we've hit just about everything else. Oh, are we talking is... about blind spot? <laughs> okay, yeah, for the last hour or so. <laughs> Go for it. Is when they bring up Orion and Shepard tells Jane that the one, not Shepard, uh, Nas tells Jane that they managed to find one mention of Orion. It was a deleted email in the CIA servers. And given timing and Tom the Vampire's knowledge of it, he probably ran Orion. Oh my God. What is it with white men in suits on this show? Can I, hey, He's Alexis. been dead for episodes, and it's like, by the way, he might have run the shadowy organization that you were a part of that all got killed off. Alexis, can I get a dun dun dun? No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's thank you. The dramatic chipmunk. Yeah, yes. there we go. That's, yeah, I mean, no. that's what it feels like when you get news like that. 
And that's why we call him Tom the Vampire, because he just doesn't die. Ugh. That mm. man. I'm glad he's gone, but evidently he's not actually gone. Right. And also on that note, um, Cade, we find out he is. Well, we knew he was still kicking, but, but now, now Shepard But now they know that knows. he's still kicking. And he's not going to go away quietly, obviously. Remind me, did Jane say that she escaped from Cade or that she killed him? Just escaped, escape, right? if I'm not mistaken. So it's the FBI that thinks he's dead. Yes. And everyone else is on the page of, yeah, no, he's absolutely still alive. Right. Yeek. Well, I mean, he had to have been to, you know, put a bullet in Jane as she tries to get away. Yeah, but that was the story. Concocted by people who thought that Cade was super dead. Yeah, good times with great oldies, you guys. Right. So we have even more pieces in place. We have Roman kidnapping Jane at the end of this episode, presumably. And I think at this point we can swing into a little bit of predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. I love the light show so much. I always love the light show. Yeah. We did get a preview, and blind spot previews are kind of notorious for showing yeah. virtually nothing. You know that there's going to be some action, and someone is going to say something that's dramatic. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll get an idea of what the next episode's going to be about, and sometimes it's just like explosions, people running, tattoos. Right. Which basically summarizes the, the show. show. <laughs> Take a shot every time someone says tattoos. You will be dead of alcohol poisoning within 15 minutes. Yeah. So we have um, Jane needing to do anything that she can to keep up her cover in Sandstorm, and they want to test her by having her assassinate someone, which is what I got from that preview. No, I got the same thing, too. I guess the big prediction, is she actually going to assassinate somebody? Um, No. They're going to find a way to, you know, like a Houdini escape out of that trap. They're going to make someone look dead or she's really going to shoot something or someone. They got to look dead. And Roman is going to buy it and say, I knew you were one of us the whole time, Remy. And I'm wondering if we're not going to go kind of a Dr. Horrible way for this, where the parameters were kill someone and he wound up killing not the intended target, but someone else. And they were like, Hey, good enough. He was like, shoot. So I never know. I wouldn't be surprised a twist like that. Um, the chat wants us to ask about. <laughs> Shadow Fox tells us not to do the tattoo drinking game. It's like doing the Stephen King drinking game, and it's a trap. Nice to know someone else watches Nostalgia Critic. Mm-hmm. Um, Miranda in chat says, "I bet it's Cade that they want her to kill," which would make That'll sense. Be- and someone who was further up in chat who's already scrolled past asked us why we thought that Naz was listening to the uh, Dr. Borden sessions. Why? I, mean, I feel like she shouldn't have those. I feel like there is some doctor-patient confidentiality here that's been breached. I mean, I would hope so. Otherwise, you know, I really want to rethink my FBI, you know, care package when I sign up. Can the NSA yeah. listen in on the FBI, though? I think that it doesn't matter. The fact is she's got the information. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think she's got the capability to. Now, does she have the permission? Obviously not. But uh, who knows, actually? We don't know if she has the permission or not. She wouldn't tell them if she did. If you know someone's listening to you, you don't say everything. I guess you're guarded. Here's the thing. I think that's led 
to be a red herring. It, could she be the mole? That's why she's listening. Whereas when you think about it, for her job, she probably has to have, you know, access to all these things. She already knows everything about the Jane Doe project and all the cases they've worked. So it's not uncommon to think, you know, for the greater good, the whatever greater reason good. that the NSA gives, that she does also have access to all their, you know, psychology and therapy records. She, I feel like she shouldn't, though. Like, those are things where you specifically have to sign them away. There are laws in place, like... Yeah, when you start getting into people's medical records, when you start getting into doctor-patient confidentiality, that's when you start really running into issues. And so I am wondering whether or not she has permission to do that, whether someone has given her the cap- the ability to do that, or whether she just made a decision. I don't think she's the mole because that's too easy and too obvious. I think they are going to go for maximum agony and have it be someone we've been with since the beginning. I believe so, too. Because, I mean, if S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't afraid to pull those punches, then why the hell would Blindspot stop? That's true. Let's be real. Be careful yeah. we're about to go off topic again. No, I don't <laughs> think so. That was a legitimate nope. parallel. Alexis, what? Uh, I thought you were in traffic. <laughs> still in traffic. I'm still listening, though, but I'm still in traffic. All right. Chad has about a minute delay. So for now, we are going to talk a little bit about iTunes. Thank you so much to everyone who has left a review. You are wonderful human beings, and we adore you. You know we do. I tell you that every single week, and it's always true. The, if you like this show, if you like listening to this show, if you want to keep us on the air, the best thing you can do, go to iTunes, find the AfterBuzz TV Blindspot podcast, subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave a comment saying how much you like listening to the podcast, because our producers, they go on iTunes, they look at these reviews, and if they see a whole bunch of people saying, we like this podcast, please keep this podcast then they're going to keep us. So if you want us to stay on the air, that is the best thing you can do to help us out. If you leave a review, you do get a shout-out on air. We don't have any new ones since last week, but, you know, we're still kind of ramping up. Definitely. I always like to let, you know, the viewers on my after shows know it's it's like Argyle Sock Monkeys. You guys who know that reference will get it. Rate us five stars. When you watch an NBA game, you'll see exactly what I mean. You assume I watch NBA games. I think that it's going to happen sometime in your life, and then it'll all make sense. You assume I watch NBA games. <laughs> I was anyway. the same thing. I was like, you assume Katie watches sports games. <laughs> it's like, you assume many things. Yep. Anyway. That commercial is everywhere. You'll, you'll catch it eventually. Anyway, rate, comment, subscribe, do all of that fun stuff. You know we adore you. Uh, chat wants us to talk about <laughs> when does the NSA get permission? Good point. It would be a twist if it's Borden. Also good point. And Allie is the mole. I have serious doubts about that because she's not in the FBI. I mean, that's one way to make, to get a little bit into all the secrets, have the child of one of the top agents. So. Yeah, but our mole's in the FBI, except she's not. I, I I feel like that's not the case. She's too far outside of where the center of the action is no, for her to make an effective joke, mole. Katie. I think no, was... they've been talking about that oh, in chat. They? I keep oh, looking okay. up. Yeah. All right. I thought I saw a face that looks like it's like a like a smiley that with his tongue sticking out. So I was like, oh, it's a joke. Yeah. More than one person has mentioned the idea mm-hmm. of Allie being the mole. So worth addressing. Mm-hmm. I have serious doubts about that. We shall see. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode? You know what? Just it was a fun episode. I really want to know all the answers. I I want them more so than I did last week. So I think that's when you know the blind spot did its job successfully again. So oh yeah, it's just that's all I can say. Every now and then you have an episode. It's like you know, 
I'm not really too worried after this week. This one, though, I want to know. Oh, so, yeah. Yes, episode two, A+. plus. Yeah, after this week, we're worried. Alexis, do you have any final thoughts on traffic? Uh, right now, it's looking kind of clear, but just be ready. There's probably going to be random construction somewhere. <laughs> okay. <I was laughs> on the say, 710 you... for 54 hours yep. this weekend. Yep. Can you turn on the AC in the car, which is, by the way, the reason I drink the most water that I ever have on an after show. <laughs> All good. Just try to keep you on your toes, <laughs> And buddy. that's it. Gabriel, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Double G on TV to talk everything blind spot. And I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at Kiaxet. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. You can also find me on Snapchat at Kia Prime. Uh, Z Nation is back. That's Mondays at 7 p.m. Star Wars Rebels starts next week. That is going to be Tuesdays at 6. Arrow starts on the 5th. Uh, we're doing Rooster Teeth's Crunch Time. That starts on the 3rd. Basically, life is kind of crazy, and I am on... All of the shows. Gotta really start plugging my stuff. (laughs) And you should watch all of them because they are super fun. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 